What's up? Welcome back to another episode of the Empowered Athlete Podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to be diving into perfectionism, as that is something that I have a lot of experience with and have very much come out on the other side of it. And I believe that I have the healthy expression of perfectionism, and I'll share what that means later in the episode. But this is definitely something that's prevalent among every athlete that I speak with and work with. And it can be very detrimental to our growth, to our progress, towards the goals that we have, even though we think that it's actually a a positive attribute. There are elements that absolutely can be positive. There are gifts that can come out of perfectionism. But when we're in the unhealthy expression of perfectionism, well, our well-being suffers. And so over the course of this episode, I want to dive into a little bit about what perfectionism is, the causes of perfectionism, some signs of perfectionism, as well as, of course, how to overcome it and some steps that you can take to break free from this prison. (laughs) Because truly, I believe perfectionism is a prison. And when you're in a prison, you're in lockdown, right? You're in this very small box and you have very little wiggle room to be creative, to just explore and be free. And I don't want that for you. You deserve to be free. You deserve to live your best life. And it doesn't come with perfectionism, unfortunately. So I will say that uh, as I record this, I'm overcoming a cold. So if my voice sounds a little different or I'm a little nasally, that is why. But we're here and we're going to dive in. So what we're going to be covering is the problem of perfectionism and how to overcome it. So perfectionism in a nutshell is the drive to appear, feel, and be quite literally perfect. There are arguably three different elements or types of perfectionism that are absolutely interwoven and integrated within each other. They're not separate from each other by any means, but you might favor one over the other. So Self-oriented perfectionism is imposing an unrealistic desire or expectation to be perfect on oneself. This is a self-orientation. Then there's an other orientation. Other-oriented perfectionism means imposing unrealistic standards of perfection on others. And then there's socially-oriented perfectionism, which is perceiving unrealistic expectations of perfection from others. So this idea of other people putting this idea of perfection on you and kind of living up to their standards. So you have your own standards, you have what you're putting on other people as standards, and then what others are putting on you for standards. So most of the time, we're going to be having experience with all three of those. And again, one may be more prevalent or domineering than the other, but it's just important to point that out. And the bottom line for perfectionists is that they really set unrealistically high expectations for themselves and for others. And we often talk about that perfection is unattainable. It literally does not exist. One of the best things that really shifted my perspective when I was healing from perfectionism, I can't remember exactly who told me, but it might've been my energy healer, but we were talking and he basically used the analogy of the world. And the earth, right? The earth is such this magnificent like thing, right? It just ha- holds so much life of all different kinds from 
animals to humans to water to fire to ground to sky to wind just like all of these things and when you look at the surface of the earth it's actually not perfect there's craters there's dips there's hills there's mountains there's valleys and it really helped shift my perspective for something that we take as something so awe-inspiring as the world and the earth it actually is literally created on imperfection and it was a really good perspective shift because i realized wow like even the world that holds so much and is just so magnificent and intricate is not even perfect and so why am i holding myself to that same standard a standard that literally doesn't even exist on this planet so something to consider now society generally views perfectionism as a positive attribute and we're going to get into in a little bit kind of some of the gifts that can come out of perfectionism but we have to really point out the the real crux here which is the negative effects of perfectionism which is probably what you experience more often um, and what's usually running the show for you so when it comes to perfectionists you know they insist on perfection and they accept nothing short of flawlessness. And this is why there is this manifestation of criticism that happens because this idea of being perfect, we're going to get into the kind of the roots of it, but essentially this idea of being perfect is really critical for ourselves when we're in perfectionism because we feel that if we're not perfect, we're going to lose something. We're going to lose connection. We're going to lose love. We're going to lose approval. And that's very scary. And usually perfectionism really is created from and stems from our childhood. It starts developing from a young age because of those things. We realize that when we were perfect in our performance or externally, we received love, we received praise, we received recognition, connection. And so we realize this is the face I need to put on in order to get those needs that I need, which you absolutely do need as a child, every single human, even as an adult, needs connection, needs approval, needs recognition, and just to know that they are valued. And what happens with perfectionism is we develop the story that we are only valued through what we do and not by who we are. And so if that's the case, then if we only produce 20% versus 100% all of the time, then that means I'm going to lose that love. And that is very detrimental. It really messes with our mental health because it's so hard to keep a constant streak of perfection. Even if you're able to hit it once or twice, you can't sustain it long term because you're going to fail. Life is filled with ebbs and flows and failures. And in order to grow, we actually need to fail. In order to succeed, we need to fail. We can't experience success without failure. And with perfectionists, they don't allow themselves to fail. So it actually is always going to stunt their success, their growth, and their progress. So going into some of the causes of perfectionism, which I hinted at, there are many factors, but really what it comes down to is a lot of maybe the trauma or conditioning that we experienced as a child, the early childhood experiences, where maybe we had parents or caretakers or teachers and mentors set unrealistically high expectations for us. And whenever we performed or we did something, it was potentially met with judgment, disapproval, or criticism. 
And as I said, that felt really scary for our system. So we decided to kind of write this doctrine to ourselves to be perfect from here on out and never make mistakes because this is how I receive love and approval. So it's these early childhood experiences where these high expectations were placed on us and we were, we perceived them as being judged by that. So we have this fear of judgment or disapproval from others. And that fear is what drives perfectionists. This is the, the motivation and this is the underlying factor that is driving all of the thoughts and the actions that we take as perfectionism is literally this fear of being judged or disapproved. And when we do that, we're constantly disempowered. We're not taking action from a place of alignment. We're not taking action from a place of wholeness, from just our strong sense of self of knowing that we are worthy for who we are. And it doesn't matter the outcome that we produce or the accolades that we put on paper, but we are worthy regardless of what happens. That's not something that develops in perfectionists. The opposite is actually what develops where I have to be perfect in order to receive this. And it's because we probably got that feedback when we were younger. When we got an A on a test, we probably got positive feedback. When we got a B on a test, we probably got criticism along the lines of, why didn't you get an A? And you weren't studying hard enough. Um, You know, you were being lazy. You were slacking. And if that is just a simple statement, right? But if that is something that you hear time and time again, it starts to get embedded deep in your unconscious, in your subconscious. And then it starts to really instill that fear in you of, man, I really don't want to disappoint XYZ, whoever that person is. And so I need to do better next time. And that need to do better next time is not from a place of growth and empowerment. It's from a place of fear. And so therefore we're disempowered in that process. Now, another cause of perfectionism can also be self-inflicted. And say for instance, you didn't necessarily get that type of criticism, but this can actually be a protection that comes online that you create. It's a self-created protection, this perfectionism as a way to feel in control. So in an environment where perhaps there was no control, it was completely uncontrollable. It was absolute chaos. As children, part of one of our fundamental needs is boundaries. And so by definition, if there's chaos, there is absolutely no boundaries. So there's this conflict of interest here, right? So we need boundaries as children to understand how how far can I go, but I still need to be contained. I still need to be held. I still need to know that I'm going to be safe. And when there's uncontrollable chaos, when we grow up, we can self-create this perfectionism as a form of feeling a sense of control and boundaries. And as I said, we need boundaries. And when we are modeled boundaries as children, we'll create them because it's an essential need. Now, the thing is often we don't create them in this healthy way. We often manifest these boundaries as rigid. They become rigid boundaries. And it's like we're put in this box that we put ourselves in. And this is the opposite side of the spectrum of chaos, right? So what happens is we swing to the other side like a pendulum. One side of the pendulum is chaos. The other side is extreme rigidity. And this leads to the beginning seeds of this all or nothing mentality that often is associated 
with perfectionists. And it's so detrimental. My goodness, this all or nothing mentality. I had this for decades and it was absolutely so just stunting in every area of growth. And when it comes to the causes of perfectionism and just sharing a little bit about mine and how mine manifested, mine was actually in the ladder that I just spoke about where mine was a self-inflicted. I didn't grow up with boundaries. And so what I learned over the years was my perfectionism was never put on me. And it was always something interesting that I thought about because I was like, how the hell do I have so much quote unquote discipline? And how am I able to just perform at this high standard when nobody's asking it of me? My parents never asked of it asked it of me because it was something that I always did on my own. And I always wondered like, how did I even create this? Like, where did this attribute come from? Like, why am I so gung ho about being perfect in all of these areas? And then having done the inner work over the years, I realized, oh, wow, this was a a protective mechanism that I created because I didn't grow up with boundaries. So I figured if I don't, I need boundaries. And so the best way to create boundaries, if they're not being created for me is to create them myself. And I did so in such a way that was so rigid that really had me in a deep all or nothing black or white mentality. And it really, it really stifled me because when it came to errors, when it came to failure, when it came to mistakes, I literally did not know how to handle them. And I would crumble. I would crumble and go into deep despair and like depressive episodes from something stupid, like getting an 89 on a test. Literally, if I got 89s on a test, like I would be crying for weeks. And it was ridiculous, but like it was a really real experience in my body. Like it really felt scary. Like the level of standard I put for myself when I wasn't meeting it, it felt like such a worth and I felt like I wasn't enough. And this is a common, common belief system that underpins perfectionism is this, I'm not enough. I'm not enough unless I'm perfect. And if that's something you're experiencing, this is something that absolutely requires doing the inner work to explore and overcome because otherwise this is going to be the story that runs your show your entire life until you can get to the root of it and actually heal that old story and replace it with a new empowering story that allows you to be human. Because that was one of my mantras for a very long time was it's okay to be human. Literally, that was my mantra. Like that sounds so silly saying it right now, but I'm sure there's a lot of you listening that are probably like, you know what, I should use that mantra. Because it for a perfectionist who's really deep in it, it really doesn't feel like you're human. Like you put yourself into this standard of being a robot. But the reality is I am not a robot. And another thing that came into my awareness that was also shifting similar to the world not being perfect was also that even robots need tune-ups from time to time. Like even robots aren't perfect. They need tune-ups. They need oils. I'm just assuming a robot is made from metal. Um, But nowadays, who knows? It's probably this cloud on Apple that's a robot. I don't know. But in my mind, when I think of robot, I think of this metal object, right? And so it's artificial intelligence that still needs a tune-up, right? It might still burn out. The battery still might die. So it still might need replacement. So it's not perfect. So there's literally nothing that is perfect. And so even though I was holding my standard as being a robot, I realized, wow, they're not even perfect. So like, I'm really setting myself up to fail by holding myself to this unattainable standard. 
And so now what I want to dive into are 10 signs of being a perfectionist or that you may be in perfectionism and operating from that way. The first I already hinted at, and that is the all or nothing thinking, the black or white thinking. And this really comes down to that a perfectionist will accept nothing less than perfection, that almost perfect is even seen as failure. Like there is no in between. It's if you're not exactly perfect, you're a failure. And that is such a hard thing to be sustainable. Like it's so rough for your mental health to be in that mentality. And what happens is this, because there's this black or white thinking, it really comes back as a hit to their own perceived self-worth. Whereas if they're not perfect, as I said, they're going to lose the love, the connection, all of that, but they're also going to dampen their self-worth and they feel that they're lack of perfect work is a reflection of their worth. And they think that their worth is going to increase or decrease based off the work that they put out. And that's actually not true because your worth is innate. It's actually whole. There is nothing that can change your worth. Your worth is immutable. And as I said, this early, this often originated from early childhood where gray areas were deemed as dangerous some messaging that may have supported this idea is, you know, being absorbed in like the my way or the highway. There was only one or two ways to do something, the right way or the wrong way. And so obviously you wanted to do it the right way to receive that love. And when we do this and we, as I mentioned earlier, when we're in this all or nothing mentality, this minimizes creates creativity because creativity requires spaciousness. It requires the ability to think big picture and see a lot of different perspectives, a lot of different avenues. And you simply can't do that when you're viewing through the lens of perfectionism. And so creativity is shut down. And this really prevents your ability and uh, makes it difficult to find solutions to problems as well. If you're experiencing problems and we're only in this one way mentality, then we really won't be able to come up with creative solutions to problems that we're experiencing. So all or nothing mentality really, really holds us back there. The second sign is being highly critical. Someone with a perfectionist personality is more critical of themselves and others. And they have a loud, very loud inner critic that constantly picks them apart and often is whispering that story in their ear that they're not good enough unless they're perfect. So when you are being critical of yourself or of others, this is a great sign that your perfectionist protector is coming online. So it's an opportunity to explore a little bit more about why it's present and to offer new messaging to support your inner child. Another one is feeling pushed by fear. So perfectionists tend to be pushed by a fear of anything less than perfectly a perfectly met goal. So fear of failure, fear of losing connection, looking like a fraud, which is also called imposter syndrome, fear of not being valued. As I mentioned earlier, a lot of these all overlap, but this feeling of being pushed by fear, this is the underlying driver for perfectionism is not wanting to be perceived in a certain way or to lose something that is an essential need that we need to feel whole. Like I said, losing connection or looking like a fraud is a big one as well. Like uh, a lot of that comes down to if I don't feel perfect or if I don't 
perform perfectly, then I'm going to be a, a fraud. And I want to share, I want to speak to this one because this is a big one in jujitsu, specifically with belts, right? When people make, people hesitate to sign up for competitions because they feel that if they lose, they don't deserve their belt. And that's very toxic for your journey. You're not going to grow. You're not going to evolve. You're supposed to make mistakes. You're supposed to constantly grow and evolve from them. And when you can look at mistakes as an opportunity for growth, that's one sign that you've come out of perfectionism because you have to put yourself in positions to be courageous, to, you know, really push your comfort zone, which feels scary, but you have to do that. And when you do that, you risk the chance of failing. And it doesn't mean, again, it's a hit on your self-worth. Your worth has nothing to do with it. It just simply is. You simply lost that match. And so you get to use that match as feedback to make adjustments moving forward. It does not mean you're not worthy of your belt. Another sign is having unrealistic standards, which of course we talked about, but just really setting goals that are not reasonable, that could never be attained with the time frame, perhaps that you've set them. And it's really interesting because there's a paradox here. We Perfectionism and perfectionists with this high arching goals that they set that are just unattainable. It's, it's good to push your goals and go further than you, your mind thinks you can 100%. But sometimes we do so in a way that is so unrealistic that we set ourselves up to fail and not actually meet it, which per perpetuates the, I knew I couldn't do it mentality. So this is the paradox that because a perfectionist tends to have unrealistic standards, they often subconsciously reject success because they feel that their actions are never good enough to rise to this level of achievement. It's really interesting, right? Because like where they're striving for these high standards, but yet they also believe subconsciously that they can't actually meet it because their deep rooted core wound belief is I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. And nothing I ever do is going to be enough to actually reach those goals. So it's like literally this cat and mouse game or like that game where they have the carrot on a stick and it's like, you're constantly chasing the carrot, but you're never going to get it because you're actually on a hamster wheel. And so this idea of constantly keeping this unattainable standard, but then you're not actually reaching it because you're not allowing yourself to actually do what it needs to take, uh, what it takes to actually get there, which is to fail. And therefore you're stuck in this cycle and perpetuating the belief that you're not enough. It's this crazy paradox that we put ourselves in. And this, my friends, is self-sabotage. This is one of the most blunt forms of self-sabotage. And if you really desire to reach higher levels of su success, this is something I really want to recommend that you work on because otherwise you're going to be on that hamster wheel chasing that carrot for the rest of your life. The other sign is focusing only on results. So perfectionists see the goal and nothing else. So perfectionists will see, I want to win gold, but they don't enjoy or appreciate the process of what it takes leading up to that goal. It's really, they see one thing. I need to get gold. And if I get it, I'm worthy. If I don't get it, I'm a failure. And they're so concerned with hitting the goal that they, again, don't take risks because they're avoiding failure at all costs and they can't allow themselves to enjoy the process of growing and striving that is in pursuit of that goal. That's part of the journey. I always say that 
the destination is the journey. And this was, again, a quote that was instilled to me by one of my mentors years ago. And I really loved that because uh, I was stuck in perfectionism. And I realized, wow, the what if the destination was the journey? How would I approach my journey? How would I show up in my journey knowing that all those little milestones every single day showing up day in, day out, doing all of these little habits, I'm disregarding them. I'm not really appreciating them. I'm not really celebrating myself in all those little successes because I'm so focused on this one thing that I'm riding my life out on. And it's going to completely be the answer to all of my problems if I quote unquote win this one competition, you know? So it really is a sign of perfectionism when you are only focusing on the results and you're not allowing yourself the gift of enjoying the journey and growing and everything that comes with that process. Another sign is feeling depressed by unmet goals. So this is a really big one, right? We go to competition a lot. Um, using jujitsu as an example. And when you are only focusing on the goal and then you don't meet that goal, absolutely there can be symptoms of depression that come through. There can be shame that comes through. There can be just deep states of despair and unhappiness because again, we're directly connecting that goal with our self-worth. When they're interwoven like that, of course it makes sense that we're going to feel depressed. But when we detach our self-worth from the outcome, we will develop resilience and we'll also know that, hey, there's another tournament down the line. It's just an opportunity to grow and to learn. And that is a very powerful shift. It's a powerful shift that makes you feel empowered because you're not, your self-worth isn't riding on this outcome. And the fact is that perfectionists are often just less happy in general because of the unattainable standard that they put themselves in. And perfectionists tend to beat themselves up and wallow in negative feelings when their high expectations go unmet. They struggle to move on when things don't work out the way that they had hoped, aka a win perhaps. And this can often lead to a freeze response, which is a trauma response that our body does for protection. And it can immobilize us, which is what leads us to this depression, this feeling of depression where we feel like we don't want to move. Um, we have no motivation. And we have, we kind of lose the, the ability to act because we're in this deep state of freeze. And this is a trauma response. So we really need to, the first step is to always, when we have overwhelm in our system, the first step is to always come back into presence. So freeze is a form of overwhelm in the system. So coming back into presence into our body is really important to help get us out of this hole that we're in. And this is where breath work comes into play. Breath work will really support us in grounding into our body, separating what is lies from the mind versus what is truth and really helping us find our power. Another sign is, I've mentioned this, fear of failure. And the, the fact is perfectionists have a greater fear of failure than someone who is not a perfectionist, like 100%. They place so much stock in results and become disappointed by anything less than perfect. And failure becomes really, really scary. Instead of something that is exciting as an opportunity for growth, it's more of something that's very threatening and very scary. And therefore, it makes us it makes it difficult to get started on anything new because we're just stuck in the narrative of I'm not ready yet, right? How many of you have been there? I know that there are many of you who are going to be listening who have said, I am not ready yet. 
This comes up all the time about competing. I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. Okay. If you're one week into jujitsu, maybe you're not ready yet. I understand that. But if you're four months into jujitsu, do a tournament. I did my first one at three months. And it doesn't matter if you're not ready yet either. Of course you're not ready. You literally have three months of jujitsu experience. Like you are not ready, but it doesn't mean anything. You still want to put yourself out there and challenge yourself to grow. Now, because of this conundrum of having hesitancy towards starting something new because of this fear of failure, it often leads to one of the other signs, which is procrastination. Procrastination might seem a little paradoxical because, again, high perf- uh, perfectionists are often deemed as like high performers, right? And so how can we think that, well, how can a high performer be a procrastinator? But it's simply because this idea of not being perfect. So if you don't allow yourself to fail or won't take action until something is 100% ready or 100% done, then you'll do everything in your power to procrastinate because you're not going to just take that messy action. You know, if something is 80% done, like it's ready to go. Like for instance, if you're 80% ready for your match, like sign up and This goes with work and career as well. Or if you are writing a book, if you are wanting to post on social media, like 80% done is enough. Just get it out there. Like done is better than perfect. Like it really is. If you just like messy is better than perfect. Like you're always going to have to make adjustments and adaptations anyway. So when you actually think you've reached that level of perfection, guess again, because there's going to be something that you can tweak moving forward. And so therefore it was never truly perfect. But research has found that a perfectionist person who isn't able to adjust to their situation or environment, they call this maladaptive perfectionism. And they're actually more prone to procrastinate when they don't have that ability to flow, to be adaptive, adaptable. And that goes hand in hand with the all or nothing mentality. All or nothing mentality is rigid thinking. So it makes perfect sense if you're in all or nothing mentality that you are not adaptable. And if you're not adaptable, you lose 100% of the time. And the next sign is defensiveness. So again, because a less than perfect performance is really painful and scary to perfectionists, They will often respond defensively to constructive criticism, especially when we go back to remembering that one of the causes of perfectionism is constant criticism that we received as children. So of course, whenever we're met with criticism again, even constructive criticism, our adult selves are not listening. Our inner child gets activated, gets triggered. And the first thing we hear is somebody is attacking me. So the first thing we feel is somebody is attacking me. And therefore I'm going to lose something. I'm going to lose love. I'm going to get my, I'm going to get fired. We're going to create all these crazy stories. So we're going to respond defensively to prove our point. And because we feel that we have to defend ourselves when that criticism comes. But in order to really step out of this, we need to see criticism as valuable information and objective feedback that is going to help us improve our future performance and what we do moving forward. So defensiveness is a key sign of perfectionism. And this was one that I still work through. This is, I think of all of the 
signs of perfectionism. This is the one that lingers for me the most. Um, defensiveness was a strategy that I adapted to from a young age for many reasons. And this was one of them, but therefore it's, it's a great sign because every time it comes up for me, I'm very aware that, wow, I'm being defensive right now. I know exactly how my body responds. I know exactly how my body language is and what it turns to the tone in my voice, everything shifts when I get defensive. And when I know that, then there is this element of self-awareness where I have to pause, ground myself and kind of dissect internally, you know, what's really present here, what's coming through here, because there's a, a part of me, an inner child part that's being, that feels as if she's being attacked. I need to see what the fear is, what is the need and soothe her and meet her need so that I don't respond or react rather in a way that I'm going to regret. And another sign is low self-esteem. So perfectionists really have lower levels of self-esteem. And again, it's because they're self there's a few reasons, but there's self-talk often because it's self-critical. It's often judgmental and shame-based. So when you, you have to think in terms of speaking to your friends, speaking to your children, right? If you were to constantly speak to your child in a critical way and shame them and judge them directly and viciously to their face, can you even imagine doing that if you're a, a parent listening to this? but yet you do it to yourself. So how can you expect you to feel empowered and for your self-esteem to be high when that's the messaging you're giving yourself? That critical, judgmental self-talk absolutely diminishes our self-esteem. And then we put on this mask of trying to be as perfect as possible to create a false sense of self-esteem. On the outside, it looks like I have this great self-esteem, but really I'm crumbling on the inside. And when it, that's something I experienced for sure. And the reality is you need to be more loving and kind and compassionate towards yourself, like period, because you have to remember that you're a human. Human beings are messy, man. We are a messy species. We are not perfect by any means. And we have to give ourselves that grace and allow ourselves to be in our mess and just like really accept and embrace all parts of us and realize that we are perfect in our mess. And anyone who tells you otherwise and is putting on a front, best believe that you can rest assured that they have minimal self-esteem. If they're the people that are putting on that perfect show externally and you find yourself comparing yourself to them because you're like, man, I just need to be a little bit more perfect like to, to reach that level. The reality is on the inside, that's not what's happening. And you need to know that so you can stop comparing yourself to them and really work on your own journey and work on your own self. And the other aspect is that perfectionists also tend to be lonely and isolated due to their critical nature, their rigidity, and pushing other people away. Oftentimes, perfectionists, because they have this high level of standard and this unattainable standard and are critical, you know, nobody wants to be around that, right? Like, you don't even want to be around yourself. I know that for a fact. You don't want to be around yourself. So why would you think anyone wants to be around you? 
it's a hard pill to swallow. Like it's a hard pill to swallow. Like I swallowed mine already. So I can speak to that. But if you're kind of in the midst of it right now, like if you're feeling some triggers or activation in your system, like it's okay, breathe and just realize that that's just an opportunity for you to dive into this work. And to come out on the other side, knowing a little bit more about who you are, what your needs are, and feel a little bit more empowered in the process. And when we have lower self-esteem, we obviously have, it has an impact on our self-image and our overall life satisfaction as well. So all of that will also impact our relationships, right? The relationship that we have to ourselves directly impacts the relationship that we have to others. So if we are operating from low self-esteem, best believe that's trickling into every single relationship from children to colleagues, to training partners, to coach, to friends, to partners, all of it. So I know that was a mouthful, but that was 10 signs of perfectionistic behavior. And now I just want to briefly speak to this idea that there gets to be some gifts from perfectionism. Whenever we're in an unhealthy expression of a pattern, there's actually a healthy expression of it too. And when we heal the traumatic aspects of it and the parts that are rooted in fear, we actually gain access to the gifts. So then we can operate from the healthy expression of these patterns. And so some of the gifts of perfectionism, when you heal the shadow parts, are going to be discipline, your follow-through ability, having high standards, quality results. You produce quality results and somebody can depend on you to produce quality results and structure. And these are some amazing skills. I mean, I have the craziest amount of discipline. And I talk about this often, but what has shifted is the way that I view discipline. And I used to have a self-critical discipline versus a self-loving discipline. And I talk about this all the time. We talk about it in our coaching programs because discipline itself is very important, but it's the way that we relate to the discipline and the motivation beneath the discipline that matters most. And when we're self-critical in our discipline, we are motivated through fear, right? I would push myself beyond all measures with an indomitable will to be perfect and just discipline, discipline, discipline. On the outside, everybody said, wow, she had great discipline. But on the inside, I was literally struggling on every front of the mental health because I wouldn't give myself any grace. I didn't know how to fail. I didn't know how to handle failure. And I didn't know that I could reach out for support. So I was really dealing with it on my own. And it's literally like carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. And if you're a perfectionist who has that same experience, you understand what I'm talking about. And so the self-loving discipline is doing it in a way that honors your body. So you still exercise discipline and showing up for yourself, but you do so in a way where there's adaptability and you get to also align with what's going to support my well-being in this moment and still stay committed to my discipline, but in a way that is self-honoring. And this is really important, important distinction. And that is what will happen when you heal those shadow parts, those parts that we repress and suppress, and we can come into that healthy expression. Now, 
when the unhealthy perfectionism, which is driven by the shadow, this is when our shadow is in the driver's seat, this has been linked to lead to higher levels of stress, anxiety, low self-esteem, depression, worry, and other issues that can affect quality of life, such as sleep disturbances, eating disorders. Hello, that was one of my perfectionistic tendencies. I became so obsessed with nutrition to the point of unhealthy behavior, to the point of so restrictive, of so strict that, I mean, you guys know my story. It was the unhealthiest, darkest times of my life, completely, completely driven by fear. And that was rooted in fear of not being enough if I wasn't perfect, if I didn't have the perfect body. Also psychological distress and other mental health conditions. So that's a lot. (laughs) This is a lot so far. So just take a breath, digest the information for a moment. If you're taking notes, just maybe like read over your notes. If you want to pause it for a second, come back. But this is a topic that's really near and dear to me because, like I said, this was me for decades. And just in the past, I'd say five years, I've really unraveled it and come out on the other side. And it's been the most liberating process ever. Like, (laughs) it's funny because I really come back to that mantra all the time. Like, it never gets old. It's like, it's okay to be human. You know, I literally had to use it this week, actually, right? Because I was feeling a little sick. I'm getting ready for a competition my ego wanted to go to class. I wanted to work out and my body was like rest. My body was like rest. And I realized like, it's okay to be human. And my husband likes to often remind me, he's like, what would you tell your students? And I'm like, I know, I know. That's exactly what I'm trying to tell myself. And that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm as much as I want to do these things, I'm not acting on them because I understand that my well-being must come first. And it doesn't mean that it still doesn't suck. Like it doesn't mean that I still don't have emotions around it. Like I still have emotions around it. I just need to be with my emotions and feel through my emotions and just, you know, find my power in all of this and come into acceptance. But it's a little aside, but just to share a little bit of my experience of like coming back into that mantra always, like it's okay to be human. And like, when I say that, like my body starts to relax, my jaw starts to unclench, my shoulders drop. There's an ease that enters my body. And I'm like, ah, that permission slip. It tastes so juicy. It tastes so right. It's so nourishing. And I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna take it. So the last thing I want to leave you with is Now that we've gotten clear on, you know, the roots of perfectionism, the signs of perfectionism, a little bit about what perfectionism is, what are some things that we can do to start overcoming perfectionism? So I'm going to give you five things here. So the first is create an environment where you feel accepted for who you are, not by what you do. So people are only praising you for what you're producing and you feel unsafe being your authentic self around them, that's a little bit of a red flag. So you either have a conversation with them to express that fear or if you feel that it's just so unsafe that they could never understand, they would never, then perhaps you get a new group of friends or you figure out a a way to create better boundaries to limit your time around these people. 
but it's up to you to create the environment where you feel accepted for who you are because you deserve to live in your authentic expression. You deserve to be all of you in every single moment. You deserve to burp and fart in public and say, oops, sorry. And you don't have to hold it in or (laughs) put on the mask. You know, it's something that I know a lot of my close friends and family really admire about me because it's almost like I have no filter, you know, is how they kind of describe it. But to me, it's like, it's not about having a filter. Like I don't need a filter. I just get to be who I am. And anybody who accepts that gets to be in my world a little bit more. And anyone who doesn't accept that, I literally don't care. So you can do whatever you want to do. And it's something I've always kind of had, but I think it's something that I really admire about myself, you know, and I would recommend trying it because it really is freeing when you don't give a shit. (laughs) So this includes, by the way, this creating of environments includes the people you surround yourself with. Remember, you are the five people you hang out with. So pay attention, maybe do an inventory. Who are the five closest people I'm spending my time with? And is the way they're living their life and the way that they're acting you know, something that supports what I'm trying to step into, or does it keep me perpetuated in the cycle that I'm trying to break out of? You know, and that's a question you really need to be honest with yourself and ask yourself. Also, which I'll shout from the rooftops, is the social media accounts you follow. Just stop following everyone that makes you feel like shit. Stop following everyone who makes you feel like you have to put a picture-perfect front on. Really filter and create boundaries on social media. You know, I hardly look at accounts and I used to definitely, when I first got into social media, was definitely more of a consumer where I would consume content from other people and allow it to wrap me up and kind of influence my real life world. Whereas now I'm more of a creator and I spend my time creating content that supports the mission that I have that I want to put out into the world and focusing on staying in my own lane. And it's been absolutely amazing for my mental health. And don't get me wrong, I like to scroll from time to time and support my friends and what they're doing. But definitely the ratio of consuming to creating has completely switched. And I'm absolutely a creator more than I consume. And that's something to consider as well. Um, But your environment is critical. So just like plants need a nourishing ground to actually grow, so does you. (laughs) So do you. Uh, You need a nourishing environment to foster your growth and your healing, and you have to create that for yourself. Another tip on overcoming being a perfectionist is to just engage in positive self-talk. So really be your own cheerleader. Have self-compassion. I shared a few mantras throughout the course of this episode. Take whatever feels best with you, best for you, that aligns with you, and just start being more positive towards yourself. Appreciate yourself. Celebrate yourself. This is really important, you know, and I would say really embrace like the failures that you have and create mantras and affirmations that you can use that include failure as a positive thing. I think that's really, really important to help you in your positive self-talk. But being your biggest cheerleader is really important. And 
being your biggest cheerleader, not just when you're doing well and things are going perfect, but when things are not going well and when you are failing and when you are making mistakes, be resource your inner cheerleader to support you. Not compare yourself to others. So another strategy is to stop comparing yourself to others. Comparison is the thief of joy. And it perpetuates the not enough belief system. Comparison is rooted in lack. It's rooted in not enoughness, which is scarcity, which is lack. And so when you compare yourself to others and constantly are measuring yourself against somebody else's perceived standard, because social media especially is just like highlight reels of people's perfect picture moments, right? So you can't compare yourself to that because I guarantee you they're going through shit behind the scenes and they're not sharing it. And all you see is the good sunshines, rainbows, and bubblegum. And so you're comparing yourself to that and it's robbing you of your own joy. So you really need to stop comparing yourself to others. Start appreciating your own journey and put your blinders on and stay in your own lane with whatever that is. Another strategy is to practice mindfulness to help you learn how to focus on the present without worrying as much about the past or the future. So being present and mindfulness and mindful with everything that you do is such a powerful, simple, free practice that you can do to really help you connect with the present moment. And with that, my last tip is breath work, which is another modality to support you in connecting back to the present moment, but also deeply connect to your sense of self and to find conviction in who you are. Because in order for us to release our insecurities and really step into who we are unapologetically and authentically, like I had mentioned, it's hard to do that when we don't know who we are. So the more practices that we can engage in that help strengthen our sense of self, it's easier for us to then not care what people think and to actually just live our life from our truth and live our life in all of who we are instead of only the parts that we think other people want to see. Because you're always going to feel a little resentful because it's not all of who you are. And you weren't born and put on this planet to be a quarter of who you are. You were put on this planet to be all of who you are. And it's only you who can give yourself permission to do that. So I hope that you found value in this episode. I would love to know what you took away, what really resonated. You could tag us as always on Body by Boss LLC on Instagram. Please share this episode with a friend that you think it could really support and they could really find value from as well. That would mean the world to me. And then lastly, before we go, I'll just leave you with another invitation that if this is something that you really want to dive into in an intimate setting and really understand the roots to the conditioning that is embedded in your nervous system and your subconscious that are driving the shows and perhaps perfectionism specifically, then this is what the work that we do inside the Empowered Athlete Academy, which is a sacred trauma-informed four-month container for deep healing, personal growth, and empowerment using breath work and somatic embodiment. This program focuses on embodiment and healing at the level of the nervous system. The goal of EAA is to help you live from your power by feeling safe in your body, healing from your past, and coming into the wholeness of who you are. If that sounds like something that you are ready to explore and want support in, 
this is going to be the perfect program for you. So feel free to shoot me a message. I would love to support you and see if you're a good fit. And other than that, I hope you guys have an amazing day and I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye for now.